sing of the amazing grace that God has provided through his son, okay? Yeah. Is a 
Go and have a seat, and let's uh, fix our eyes on the screens. Our church is a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Every believer is called to make a difference in the world, to love God completely, and to make disciples of every nation. But in this busy, mobile, noisy world, it can be difficult to even do the basics, to pray, to read the Word, to bring the love of God to our marriages, families, neighbors, and co-workers. We know you're here because you want to be a part of God's mission on the earth. You want to experience the abundant life that Scripture talks about. You're looking to connect your faith to every part of your life, every day of the week. That's why our church is subscribing to Right Now Media and making it available for free. 
you'll have access to over 10,000 online Bible study videos on parenting, marriage, finance, discipleship, leadership, and many more. The videos can be used in Bible study groups or for personal devotion. There's also a huge library of safe biblical kids videos. We'd love to see every member of our church utilizing Right Now Media. Small group leaders leading their adult or youth groups through engaging Bible study series. Children enjoying safe programming that doesn't just entertain, but helps lay a strong spiritual foundation. Families spending quality time together going through devotional Bible studies. Couples using biblical studies on marriage, parenting, and finance. Applying God's Word to every area of their lives. There is something for everyone. We want to help you grow as a disciple of Christ, and we want to help you become a disciple maker in your home, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, in whatever mission field God has called you to. We believe that this free resource will help equip and unleash you to live out your faith in every area of life, to experience God-centered, abundant life, not just on Sundays, but every day. Hey, good morning, Hope Vale. Welcome. I'm Steve Fletcher. I'm one of your pastors here on staff. We're excited that you're here today. We have gla we're glad that you've joined us uh, for this, this morning's worship service. Whether it's a normal part of your Sunday or whether uh, you're here for the very first time, we extend our greetings to you, and we're glad that you're here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with us. As you just saw on that screen, we have a great opportunity. One of the things we do here at Hopevale is we want to encourage everyone to live 168. And what does that mean, to live 168? There's 168 hours in a week. And we want to encourage you to live beyond just this one hour on Sunday mornings. We value this time together. It's highly important to us. But we believe that we've got to live beyond that one hour a week. And so we've partnered with Right Now Media to provide an awesome opportunity for every single person here. This resource, no matter what age or stage you are in life, is going to give you the opportunity to have access to some of the best teachings, some of the best material that's out there at your fingertips through your mobile device, on your computer. Uh, and here's what you can do to, to start to take that in, to help you grow in your walk with Christ, to help us make, make this walk a part of your everyday life, is you can simply um, go online, uh, our mobile app, our website. Our website, you can go to the More tab and click right below that to Right Now Media, and you can sign up right there. But here's an even better part. If you're in our database and you're not one of the 900-plus people who have already signed up to use Right Now Media, you're going to have an email. When you get home today from church, you're going to have an email in your inbox. You just simply click on the link in there, and it will take you to a place to sign up. Even better news, we're not going to bombard you with emails every single day about other things. This is just to use as you see fit in your life. And here's the greatest part of all. You want to hear this? It's free. It's our gift to you. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's our gift to you because we value your growth in Christ as we take that journey. So we want to encourage you with that. Jump online today, check it out, sign up, and begin using it right away. As I mentioned, to those of you that might be here for the first time, welcome. We have the awesome opportunity to continue to grow and worship every week through the giving of our tithes and offerings and to help the church grow and the ministry grow and expand. And so you can also do that online through our mobile app on your computer, or we can do it right here this morning. So as the ushers come forward, we're going to uh, go to the Lord in prayer. 
Uh, would you join me? Father God, we thank you uh, for today. Father, we thank you for life and we thank you for your love. Father, we thank you that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on a cross, for our sins and for our forgiveness. So Father, today we recognize that. We join together here in this place of worship to honor you, to give back to you our hearts, our minds, our soul. We just praise you for what you've done. And Father, we recognize that we come from all walks of life here this morning. So whether we walk closely with you on a regular basis or whether we come through these doors this morning not really knowing or understanding who you are and the love that you have for us, Father, we come and we give you what we have. And Father, we ask that you would meet each person here right where they're at today. No matter what life has held for them this past week and no matter what it holds for them in the coming days, we pray that you would meet us where we're at today, Lord. And Father, as we return a portion of what you've blessed us with, we ask that you would take these gifts, these tithes and these offerings, and that you would use them to grow and expand your kingdom. Help us to walk in a deeper way with you, Lord. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, gang, so glad you're here. My name's Billy. I'm also one of your pastors here at Hope Vale, and... Yeah, if it's your first time with us, glad you're hanging out with us here and uh, doing something a little different today with a, a worship choir. Hope you enjoy being led in worship by them. We're, we've had a lot of fun. Yeah. We've had a lot of fun putting all this together and um, preparing to lead in worship today. You know, this song we're going to sing is a sort of a capital C church uh around the nation favorite there's this uh, verse and it says he shall return in robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the night and i will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on jesus face so there's a time that um this life will end gang and there's a time when we'll be before the lord and the scriptures say to be absent from the body is to be present with this holy spirit so um is to be present with God. So we can be reminded today uh, of our mortality. We can be reminded that we've only got so much time. And I'm glad you've chosen to take some time today to put God first and to honor God in your worship and honor God and trying to figure out how you can live for him better. And if that's not your intent, if you just came on the arm of a friend or a family member, um, pray that uh, this service is a real blessing to you as we worship the Lord. So let's continue in worship together and sing. They laid him down 
God, for endless days, we'll sing your praise. We know there's a day that's going to come where we'll be face to face with you. And every Sunday morning, God, I'm so reminded that, yeah, this life just lasts for a little while. But Jesus, while we're here, uh, would you help us to live more holy? Would you help us to live in a way that would bring you honor and bring you glory and bring you fame um, and not us? So uh, thank you, Lord, for today. And thanks, so, God, so much for that reminder of what your son has done for us through the story of the cross and through the story of our salvation. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we all pray and say together. Amen. Hey, before you have a seat, everybody, take just a second. Say hi to somebody around you. Stand up and say hello. I just realized that I said, before you have a seat, you're already seated. So, <laughs> so when I was a teenager in the 80s, uh, that's when I really learned what um, uh, love was uh, with a teenage 80s broken heart. <laughs> So, uh, and today's topic is focusing on marriage, and I thought we could focus on love for a few minutes here. So, uh, by show of applause and by a show of your voice singing with us to these 80s classics, you heard right. So, you guys have to let us know which one was one of your favorites back in the day, and uh, if, you, if you can sing it, sing it out. So, Jeff's going to do this first one for us. You're going to love it. Here we go. grade back in 87 there was a girl I had a crush on in choir and I would sit down and play the piano every now and then she'd be like she'd come sit down me on the piano by me on the piano bench she'd be like oh Billy I didn't know that you played piano I'm like oh I really don't I don't I just kind of tinker around I just
Church, not good for church. Here we go. Two, three, four. All I want to do when I wake up in the morning is see your eyes. Rosanna, Rosanna. Never thought that a girl like you would ever care for me. Stand that up now. Stand up. Rosanna.
right, there's absolutely nothing spiritual about what we just did. Just for fun. No letters to Pastor Dan or Pastor Billy. <laughs> God bless you guys. Have a seat. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> So was that the greatest thing ever, or what? <laughs> Billy, you know, asked me a few weeks ago, he goes, is this going to be all right to do in church? I said, we'll find out. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy, I tell you, if that doesn't pump you up to talk about love and marriage, I don't know what will. So I'm Pastor Dan. This is my wife, Kathy. So glad she's joining me on stage here. <laughs> And I gotta tell you, a medley like that has extra special meaning for me because our story started back in the 80s. It did, right? We met in the 80s. Yep. We dated in the 80s. We got engaged in the 80s. We were married in the 80s. As a matter of fact, I even happen to have a picture of the two of us from back in the 80s. Here it is, take a look. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take my breath away. Yeah, so, no, seriously, I get this mixed up. Here's our picture from back in the 80s. Take a look. Yes. That's Kathy, the uh, beautiful bride. I'm rocking the sweet stash there. Yeah, very much. Uh, May 27th, 1989, we got married in Washington, D.C. at Capitol Hill Metropolitan uh, Baptist Church. So just over 28 years ago, and I can stand up here and say it has been 28 years of pure bliss. <clears throat> no fights, no hiccups, no disagreements whatsoever, right? That's the way I remember it, yeah. <laughs> not exactly, not exactly. Like any couple, we've had our fair share of disagreements, conflicts, fights, arguments. I mean, it happens. And so today, as we continue on in our Collision Course series, so we talk about what it is to navigate marriage conflicts. I thought it'd be good to have Kathy up here to give you both not only a guy's perspective, but a gal's perspective as well. What does it look like when a husband and wife do their best by the grace of God to work through conflict together well? And so maybe to get started, Kathy, we might as well address the elephant in the room, don't you think? I think we should. Because if any of you have been around here for a while, you will know that this is not the first uh, rodeo for Dan and I standing on this stage talking about marriage. Actually, about four years ago, we got to do a similar kind of thing. And one of the things that we did was we talked about kind of those little quirks or annoyances that can get under your skin from your spouse. And um, Dan's kind of had to do with these little mini baby carrots. And let me explain. Dan can um, tend to eat food really loudly, like louder than the average person. And we don't know why it echoes in his mouth like that. We don't know why it's so loud. But... 
but it just is. And baby carrots, main culprit, because they're just so loud, and I'm clawing my eyeballs out, and, and you know, it's just, it's provided some area for conflict in our relationship. And so um, I can't even tell you over the last four years how many people have stopped me and asked me, so what's going on with Pastor Dan and the baby carrots, you know, and, and is he still eating those? And so I thought I'd give you a little update and tell you that over the last four years, Dan's consumption of many baby carrots, out of his great love for the Lord and his great love for me, his consumption has drastically decreased. And this is a good thing in our marriage. And... <laughs> And I'm so thankful, you know, but as with most things in our life, once some one bad habit dies, another one seems to crop up. So I thought I would give you the 2017 version of the annoying eating habit, and it's these. Do you know what these are? These are mini red vines. They're delicious. They're just little pieces of licorice, and Dan really likes them. So I like them too because when he eats them, super quiet. You know, he can eat one, he can eat 20, and I'm just like happy as a clam because they don't crunch like those carrots. But you know what? Something else happens. You know when you eat licorice, you know what happens? Gets stuck in your teeth. And, you know, it's just in there. And normal people, when that happens, they just kind of let it dissolve, you know. They just wait, wait it out. Maybe work it out with their tongue or something like that, but not Dan. No, because when that licorice gets stuck in his teeth, he likes to take that um, bacteria-filled little fingernail of his, and he likes to do something that looks a little bit like this, and dig it out of there. And if he's really in a good mood, then he'll just like clean it out. And um, it's like super disgusting. And so <laughs> he knows how I feel about it, and he, he, he still does that. And so he's on the couch, I'm on the chair, and I'm like, ah! And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about this, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, boy, you can picture the future, right? 30 years from now in the retirement home, I'm gumming the string peas, and she's like, you're slurping those peas too loud, you know? It's just, I, that's the rest of our life. I'm just signed up for it. But here's the point, right? Conflict in marriage comes in all shapes and sizes. It does, and just like last week when we talked about conflict in the church between two Christians, you know, that the question isn't will, conflict happen, but the question is, when conflict happens, how are you going to work through it? See, here's what you need to know about conflict in marriage. When you have a conflict in marriage, does it mean you're automatically doomed? Does it mean that you quote-unquote married the wrong person? No, it means that, guess what? You're both human. You're both human, and you're going to work you're going to face conflict, and you're going to have to work through it, right? So what are those things that couples fight about? Where are the disagreement, you know, hot points? I mean, if we can get beyond the baby carrots, right? If we can get beyond the mini red vines, what would be some other areas that couples fight about? Money and sex. Everybody knows. <laughs> oh, the so you're just going to say yeah, that, just right? Yeah, say it. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's, we're allowed to do that, right? I think okay. so. So money and sex. Books have been written, talks have been given. Those are the big two, the big two. So money, I mean, you have two different people, two different spending habits. You've got a spender and a saver. You've got someone that wants to um, buy organic green vegetables and spend money on that, and somebody that just wants to dig out of the bruised bin, somebody that wants to get a fancy car, someone that wants to drive a clunker, someone that wants to spend money on private education for their kids, someone that thinks that's ridiculous. And so on and on it goes, and someone that maybe doesn't understand the value of a good target run. You know, that could provide <laughs> conflict if they're 
so inclined. So there's that, and so it's just, it's just avenues for conflict. And then sex, I mean, who can begin to scratch the surface of the numbers of ways and times that the topic of physical intimacy in a marriage can cause conflict? And I would say, I mean, to be real honest, those two have been tension points in our marriage as well. As a matter of fact, I think the money one, probably, if we look back at our 28 years, there have been a couple points, especially when the kids were younger and money was tighter and so many needs, so little resources. I, we really had to work through some stuff. And as far as that other one goes, I think our three adult children are glad they're not here today to hear their parents talk about this. So, yeah. But it's not just those two, right? There are other things. There's parenting, right? You know, I mean, parenting is where we bring our preferences and values and conflicts arise. How are we going to raise our kids, right? What kind of discipline, firm and tough like the way you know, our parents raised us or a little more relaxed and kind of the pendulum swing, right? I mean, I think of parents today, so many more options, so many more choices. What are you going to do for schooling? I mean, back in the day, it was send the kid on the bus, go to public school. Now it's public, private, charter, Christian, homeschool, you name it, right? And there's so many different choices. There's, you know, all the bombardment of social media and, you know, does your kid get a phone? When do they get a phone? And on and on and on it goes. And then for some of you, it's even more complex with step families. Oh my gosh, if parenting and the challenges are, you know, aren't big enough, I mean, here you've got even more voices speaking into the situation, and it's just the breeding ground for conflict. Right, and speaking of those other voices, obviously our relationships, our marriages don't live in a vacuum. There are other people. So I have friends, Dan has friends. I have people that I work out with, that I work with, my neighbors, my girlfriends. We want to have girls night. We want to spend time together. Dan has maybe golfing buddies or his um, friends at work. And so there's all these other people that speak into the relationship. So we can disagree on how, who those people are, because we might not even like them. And then what we share with them, what is considered across over bounds uh, to share and tell secrets about your marriage or how much time you spend with other people. Mm -hmm. And then forget about um, in-laws because really all I have to do is just bring up the topic of, hey, my mother and... And I know these services are recorded so I just want to go on record that I think Kathy's <laughs> mom is the greatest. Yes, yes. <laughs> And then there's roles and responsibilities. It takes a lot of work for uh, you know, a couple to function, right? And I, I feel like through my years as a pastor and doing some counseling, when this topic comes up, you know, both spouses in that room feel like they're carrying the, you know, the weight, the burden of the couple. And whether it's you know, chores done around the house, how finances are brought in, or the sacrificial choices they make. And so all this is just a flashpoint. And as you look at this list, I think what we want you to realize <laughs> that these are all potential landmines. And if you're going through one of these right now, you're not unique, you're not a freak of nature, you're not on your own, right? These are just areas where couples really come to clash. But here's the other thing. These are just triggers. They're not causes, right? Money doesn't cause you to have conflict. How you approach money and your expectations and how you work through it, that's what causes the, the, the conflict. So you need to dig a little deeper. And so it's not just what the couples fight for, but fight over, but why do they fight? And we just wanted to address a few of these. The first, you've heard me talk about in this series already, is self-centeredness, right? That all of us 
have a self-centered nature. As much as we're in love, as much as we really care about the other person, there is always going to be this battle. James chapter 4, verse 1, verse 2, we've seen this in this series before, says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? Yeah, the, the, what's the battle? I, I really you know, love my spouse versus I want my way, right? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And how often in a marriage do we feel like the person on the other side is getting in the way of what we want, right? Withholding something or going off in a different direction. And so it's that self Even among the best Christian in this room, we are not completely cured of that selfishness this side of heaven. But even beyond self-centeredness, we're just different right? I mean, we're two people, and because we're two people with two different personalities and, and expectations, we're going to have conflict because yeah. of that. So it could be a guy-girl thing. It could be just a personality thing. Uh, he's outgoing. I'm more introverted. He likes sports. I don't. He likes to do different things than I do. And so our words going to clash on that. We have different love languages. What really speaks love into us? And so if we didn't want that kind of conflict, then just stay single. Because, you know, two people going to be conflict just because there's two different expectations coming together. So for, as an example, I thought about, you know, on a Saturday morning, you got a Saturday wide open, and I'm the mom, and I'm thinking, I know what we're going to do today. Because, you know, the grass is about a foot high, and everyone can see that the, the refrigerator is nearly empty. Someone needs to go buy milk. And Johnny has a soccer game. Everyone can see that because the soccer schedule is right there on the bulletin board. And so I know how the day is going to go. But Dan also knows how the day is going to go. He has some work he needs to get done. He wants to watch that game at 2, and he's going to crack into that new book he's been waiting to read. So no one's saying that his expectations are right and mine are wrong or mine are right and his is wrong. They're just different. And if we're um, going to have a marriage, we're going to have conflict. We're going to need to work through that. Yeah, what soccer schedule was that, by the <laughs> yeah. way? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that really leads into this next one, poor communication, right? And I know it's so cliché to say that communication is the, the key to marriage, but it's really in there. And I think what happens, and guys, I'm just going to kind of say this, I think there's a lot of times we just think it and just assume that, well, that's good enough, right? And um, whether this is a guy thing or maybe it's just me, I, I think here it's, it's either under-communicate or not communicate, even though we have clear expectations about you know, what we expect from our spouse, right? Right, and girls, we kind of can sometimes have an assumption problem because we think that because it seems obvious to us, we're going to assume it would be obvious. I mean, everyone can see the grass is overgrown. Everyone can see there's no milk in the refrigerator. Everyone can read Johnny's soccer schedule. So I'm going to assume that he is right on track with me, and that can be a problem. Yes, the whole mind-reading thing and gift-giving, and I've given up. I'm like, send me links to Amazon and we'll just, you'll get what you want, right, for your birthday, right? So this poor communication thing happens, you know, a lot. And so the question is, is we're kind of going through this list, and we're just thinking through, you know, what that looks like. The question is, you know, is it worth it? Really? I mean, is working through all this conflict, can't we just kind of pretend it's not there? Can't we just kind of move on? Well, Kathy and I have, I think, learned through the years, both with ourselves and with other couples that it is worth it. See, there is a closer connection that happens when you're willing to go there. Because a closer connection is the reward for taking the risk 
to resolve conflict. Facing conflict in marriage is risky. It feels risky. You're putting your heart out there. You're, you're speaking something that may cause the other person, in your mind, you think they're just going to blow up. And so the tendency is to want to back off, just pretend, you know, maybe, hey, it'll, it's going to blow over. But we have learned that when you're willing to go there, there's a close connection on the other side of it, right? I would say that I have found that to be true in our marriage and also in friendships. That healthy, in a healthy way, dealing through conflict, going to the hard place, having the hard conversation, mm. being willing to work through it leads to gold. It leads to gold on the other side. And, and nobody wants just a surfacey relationship over here where it's just everything seems okay, but you're never addressing any of that anyway. If we're willing to walk through it, there's gold. Yeah, no question about it. So if you're willing to do it, if you're going to take the risk, then how do you do it? How do you work through conflict as a couple? And there are a million things we could address here. We just want to touch on a few that we've personally found to be very valuable. This first one is something I've talked about in this series. It comes from James chapter 1. To be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. <laughs> quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Every engaged couple that I meet with and we go through premarital counseling, we talk about this. James chapter 1 verse 19 says this very straightforward right go ahead and put the next one up my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry and it for me is a speed bump it is a mental reminder because again our tendency our human nature is to take that and flip it especially when we're kind of going at it right and we're like no i got to get my point across right instead of listening and trying to understand what exactly was so upsetting, right? What did I do? What did I not do? What did I say? What did I not say? It was upsetting to Kathy to listen and really just kind of pump the brakes on just being right and getting angry. And so this has been a very valuable concept for us. Right, and the way that has played some in, in my perspective is the concept of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. You know, the me versus we is, is trying to imagine yeah. how he feels. So earlier on in our marriage when we had kids and um, we had kids but we didn't have money and we had kids we didn't have time we had kids we had no emotional space we had no rest everything was short fused everything was just a little bit more tense I promise you young families it gets easier I promise you but it's it's just that stage of life I remember God tapping me on the shoulder more than a few times and kind of communicating to my heart, try to imagine what it feels like to be him. Because if I tried to imagine what it felt like for him to hear those words spoken in that way, coming from my mouth, from the person that he cares about the most, how hurtful that must have been to him. And God had to work on that a lot for me. Mm. And that relates to the one that we've got next here, is just tone and timing. Right, tone and timing, that if you're going to address conflict with your spouse, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And it's when you say it. You know, the how you say it thing, you know, guys, you just can't be derogatory, accusatory, harsh, forceful. And, and when, when, you know, your spouse pushes your buttons, that's how you want to respond, because you really want to shut it down or shut them down. But you can't do it. You're not going to work through conflict with that 
kind of harshness, let alone that shouldn't be the way we're treating our spouse. But the when is also something I feel like I've discovered through the years, because chances are in a marriage you've got, you know, two different conflict resolution styles. And I think for us, you know, Kathy is a let's deal with it right away, and I'm a, like more of a I want to think about it a little, and then we can have a talk. And what I realized is, you know, if I'm going to love my wife and serve my wife, then I've got to just not say, hey, you've got to play by my rules, but I've got to, you know, reach across the aisle, so to speak, and accommodate hers. Now, I, this is how it plays out for us. I mean, if we both come home, we know there's something we've got to talk through. A full day, we're both exhausted, you know, and certainly when there are kids around, you, you can't say, okay, boy, we've got to do it right on the spot here. But what you can do is, is say something like, I know we need to talk, right? I know something's off. I know we've got to address this specific issue. So let's set this time, right? The end of the night tonight, first thing tomorrow, whatever it is, right? So when you have the conversation, it may not be right on the spot. Guys, you can't just keep kicking the can down the road, hoping it's going away either, right? But you, you just got to make sure that you are going to address it. Right. And we do need to commit to each other that we're going to fight fair. So let me say up front that um, I wish I didn't have to say this, but uh, there'll be no abuse in the fighting. There'll be no physical pushing, any of, the, any of that. It, there's no physical abuse and there's no um, emotional verbal abuse. And if that is happening currently in your relationship, in your marriage, as fights escalate, it becomes abusive, I am begging you to wave the white flag and get some help. You need to speak to someone and let them know. You need to call, talk to a trusted friend, call the church office, ask to speak with a pastor. We need to come, you need someone to come alongside you to be able to uh, stand up for your safety and to help you manage that situation. But then if, if, if you're just kind of going um, through a regular argument and you're wanting to fight fair, the other thing that's off the table is threats. So there are no threats. If you do this, I'm out of here. That's a threat. You do that, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to take the kids and go. Those are off limits. That is not fighting fair. And threatening divorce is something we have, we have made a pact we would never do. Because that safety net yeah, of our marriage, okay. that I'm in this thing, no matter how ugly this little fight gets or, or whatever, I am believing that we're going to get on the other side of it. I need that safety net. Of, that, of our marriage, and so we can't do that. And the other thing is a fight escalates, don't run for the hills. Don't run out, physically leave the premises by running out, slamming the door, starting the car, and, and going somewhere. Yeah, you've gained all the control, but it's not fighting fair. You've just taken everything with you. And um, the other thing we can't do when we're fighting fair is we cannot bring up the past. So if you've gone through a conflict with your spouse previously, whether it was a lot of years ago or just yesterday, and you've dealt with it, you can't bring it up again. I can't beat him over the head with something that we've already, I've already forgiven and we are done with. We can't keep dredging it up. That's not fighting fair. Yeah, and there's so much more we could add to this list. Take everything we've talked about in the series so far, and you can add it here. If you're going to be married, you're going to have to learn how to forgive well. If you're going to be married, you're going to have to apologize often, and on and on it can go. But here's the thing. You know, we've talked about the what, you know, what couples fight about. We've talked about the why they fight about. We've talked about how to, you know, resolve conflict. But there's a who element. There's a Jesus element. 
there's an element of the Lord being the center of your marriage. We're here in a church, and we're here to tell you that when we looked at each other 28 years ago, we not only made promises to each other, but we made promises to the Lord. So what does it look like when Jesus is at the center of your marriage and you're pursuing peace? Well, there's three things we wanted to talk about here, and then we'll begin to wrap things up. We'd start with seek the Lord personally. So yes, 28 years ago, I made a commitment to Dan. We took vows together on our marriage ceremony. But before that, when I was 18 years old, I made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And I said to him, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. I became a Christ follower at that moment. And I am here to tell you that Jesus Christ has changed my life. He's changed my life for all eternity. Because he's paid for my sin, I am promised heaven because of him and his gift to me. But also, he's changed me every single day from here to then. He's changed me. And because of that, he can change our relationship. So what it looks like in a marriage sometimes is that we get to conflict. And guess what? All those things we were talking about earlier, about me putting myself in his shoes and, and me thinking of we instead of me, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. And you know what? Because I've convinced myself he doesn't deserve it. Because sometimes I tell myself, and I've convinced myself, I've married a jerk. I mean, I'm not doing that for him. But you know what? If it was just him and me, I might get away with that. But it's not just him and me. It's I have a commitment to Jesus Christ. And my commitment is to continually, continually seek after Jesus Christ. And he can work and change my heart so that I can see him differently. And then he can give me the power to do what he's called me to do, which is to love and respect my husband. And so it's it's, he does crazy things, and, and he changes lives. So um, my encouragement to you is to seek the Lord personally. If you're here today, and you have yet to become a Christ follower, you're just checking it out, you're thinking about it, you're asking questions, my, cha my challenge to you is the same. I invite you to allow Jesus to impact your life, to change your life and change your marriage. Open your mind and heart to what difference he could make in that. And then in marriage, as you're seeking the Lord personally, you bring that together and seek the Lord together, right? And it's something you pursue as a couple. Not, you know, you still have your individual personalities, and ultimately I'm responsible for my walk with the Lord, and Kathy's responsible for hers, and yet there is a synergy that happens in marriage. I thought about a passage from Philippians chapter uh, 2, and I just want to read this real quickly. You know, Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, Paul's writing this about relationships in general, but imagine this for a marriage, a marriage that is not motivated out of selfish ambition or arrogance, a marriage where each of the spouses humbly value the others above themselves, and they're not consumed preoccupied with self-interest, but they're thinking about the other person. Can you imagine how powerful and dynamic that would be? But Paul sets these verses up with two more before that. And he says this, Therefore, if there's, you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, these qualities, you know, if there's any of that in you, which the implication is as a Christian, there is and there should be. And Paul goes on to say, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Every couple has a unifying principle. Every couple 
has a common foundation. And as great as human love is, it's temperamental. The feelings come and the feelings go. It's just not a solid enough foundation to build a marriage upon. No, we seek the Lord together. We row in the same direction because he ultimately is our foundation. So, yeah, uh, well, let's just move on. I think we're, yeah. (laughs) I know what some of you are thinking at this point. She's got it so easy. I mean, she's married to Pastor Dan. How wonderful should that be? I mean... Wait, no, we didn't want to do that part. I'm sorry. He's so wonderful. All he does is read his Bible and just think think of ways to serve her and, and be kind to her and all those things. Well, if that's what you're thinking then I know you've been snoozing for the, first, uh, the last 20 minutes because we do have our share of conflict. But above that, let me just say, I did choose well. You know, when I uh, was looking to get married or when I was in my 20s, I loved Jesus and Jesus was working in my life and I knew the person I wanted to share my life with, I wanted him to have that same value system, his, that same passion to answer to the Lord in his life. And Dan does. And God has blessed that, blessed that in our marriage. So let me say this to you. If you are sitting there and you are yet to choose a spouse to walk this life with, let me encourage you to choose well. And let me encourage you that if your heart is for Jesus and you are um, following hard after him, choose a spouse that's going to share that passion with you. Don't um, talk yourself into something else. Don't talk yourself into settling for someone that maybe you are hoping is going to change their mind about all of this Jesus stuff later on, I am encouraging you to choose well. And for those of you that are in marriages where you're following hard after Jesus, but your spouse is not yet, then I just say, my encouragement to you is just keep following the Lord. Mm. Just do that. God is working, and God is working in your life, and just keep praying for your spouse and loving them, and it's going to look a little different right now. That's okay. That's okay. Jesus is big enough. And so my encouragement to you is to continue to seek the Lord. Mm. So seek the Lord personally. Seek the Lord together. And then finally, seek the Lord with others. I'm so glad you're here in church today. And we talk about this. Steve mentioned it earlier. That church is not just a collection of individuals who gather for one hour on a Sunday every week. A church is a community of believers that have each other's best in mind. That's all part of what last week's message was was about and what we've seen in our own life and we've seen with others that church is not just a greenhouse for our faith church is also a greenhouse for our marriage yeah you know if you are under the impression that we are trying to create a church where everybody's got it all together and we look good on the outside and we just hide the ugly stuff because um, it doesn't seem like anyone else is dealing with that. I mean, it just, I don't, um, we just uh, come in on Sunday and we get totally, totally intimidated because everyone else seems to have it together and we don't and our marriage is in trouble and, and we just live in this don't let anyone know, don't let anyone know thing. We are not about that. That has got to stop. If that's happening in your friendships, if that's happening in your community group where you're just like all putting on this face but everything's a mess underneath, that is that is not the way it's supposed to be. We're inviting you to seek the Lord with others, to, to take down the mask and the wall a little bit and wave that white flag. You need to say, you need to find some trusted friends and to be able to say, we are in trouble. We need some help. And you need to choose the right friends. Don't choose someone who's just going to give you five pat answers and fix it really quick. I mean, it, it doesn't work that way. You need to be able to share life with some people that are going to walk through the hard with you 
to pray for you, to encourage you, to bring God's perspective in on it. But once you kind of let that wall down, it's like Satan's defeated and in comes the power. So we are encouraging you to seek the Lord with others. Yeah, and as you do, you'll realize you really aren't the only one, right? You're, you're not the only ones kind of dealing with those issues. Seek the Lord personally. Seek the Lord together. Seek the Lord with others. Well, as we begin to wind down, um, you know, Kathy said earlier that she chose well. Uh, I'm here to say I chose weller or whatever <laughs> that word is, right? We did just recently celebrate 28 years. And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I just want to leave you with three words, okay? Here are your three words. Work, hope, believe. Work on your marriage. It shouldn't surprise you that marriage takes work. Again, work doesn't mean that you married the wrong person. Work means that you are trying to do the best possible job with the relationship God has given you. So anything we've said today that just struck your mind, don't try to do 20 things, just pick one. Work on your marriage and hope for your marriage. Last week we talked about the power of believing the best. You've got to believe the best. Believe the best in your marriage. Believe the best in your spouse. And, you know, Kathy talked about where some of you might be. You know, and you're hearing us talk, and you're like, you know, you, you guys are just dealing with small potato stuff. You don't know what's going on in our home. Right. We're up to our eyeballs in debt. Right. There's lies. There's mistrust. There's drugs involved. There's an affair going on. I'm not so naive to think that that isn't represented in this room. There's still hope. It really is. And I love what Kathy said earlier about not believing the lies of Satan because he would lo love nothing more than to destroy your marriage. That's why I believe. Wherever you are in your marriage, believe that Jesus can transform your marriage. The same Lord, the same Savior that turned, you know, water into wine, that took those five loaves and two fish, multiplied them and fed the 5,000, and the same Jesus who rose from the dead is the same Jesus who can transform your marriage. Now, I realize today not, every, not everyone here is married, and I'm just so glad you're here. I trust that whatever God had for you in this service, in this message, you'll take that to heart. You know, single, married, widowed, divorced. I'm just glad that we can talk about real-life issues and the wisdom of God and to do that together. Because we were praying before this service, and one of the members of the worship team just said, you know, this is not just about today. This is about God changing generations, right? And that's what he does. The power to change families, to change marriages, and the power to change us. So as we close in prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand after that. Billy and the team are going to come out. We're going to respond with a song of worship. Um, if you're married, if you're sitting next to your spouse, grab their hand. Okay? And Kathy's going to lead us in prayer. Lord, we're just a hot mess without you. So we might look like we have it together. We might be trying with all our might. We might um, be putting, uh, no, we need you. Every hour, every day, we need you. And so for every person represented in this room, every marriage represented in this room, God, give us hope and don't let Satan get in there and tell us him. It's, a, it's been a mistake. There's no hope for you. They didn't, know, they didn't know what they were talking about with you, not your marriage. 
Jesus, you are so powerful and so worthy and so worth it. And we, um, as we leave here, we leave with hope. And um, I pray that you would um, honor our being here today and take joy in it. We want to say that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dan and Kathy. Um, today, uh, we realize today may have been a day where it may have been pretty tough to hear some of this stuff. That's why we wanted to lighten it up earlier and have some fun. And, um, but, you know, uh, if God is certainly moving and working in these moments, we want to con continue to encourage you to pray that the Spirit of the Lord would be in your marriage and in your world and in your being and in your lives. So let's pray that together. And let's pray that for the marriages that not just for us and for, but for people we know too and people that we know that could certainly use prayers today. Let's pray that the Spirit of the Lord would just fill this place and fill our lives.
miracle can happen now, miracle can happen for you. That's who our God is. Amen. Next week, we'll continue our Collision Course series. Pastor Sam's going to talk about collisions in the home and family conflict. And so we're looking forward to him sharing the wisdom of God's word with that. But as you go from here, may the Holy Spirit fall fresh on you. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. God bless you.